the new Parkway Theater, where good food, diverse entertainment, and community create a place for everyone. For showtimes and special events, check out www.thenewparkway.com. You are listening to High School where real talk is vernacular. New Jersey Nets did not practice this year at all. They got, they got, they got, they got, they got three they got, all stars. They got three, they got, they got three generational talents on their squad. <laughs> they got three all stars. Like they, all they, right. three, three of their stars have, they have skill sets that are that are generationally unique. So what about Philadelphia? Philadelphia handles. They all practice the same amount, man. This is like you know what you guys sound like. You know, you know, like, you know, you know the problem with no, Philadelphia. They exit the, the bubble earlier. So they have more time. They, they don't right, practice. Did you hear they didn't practice Tom when they exit the bubble. Yes, they did. Don't don't go there. They not Tom Thibodeau said he worked out. Um, That's Tom's name. You know who Tom Thibodeau is. Bubble. You know who no, Tom Thibodeau is. I'm saying That's these guys had more bubble. times. Yeah, I'm saying no one else these guys did. had more time to work out while it was outside of the bubble. Hey, Pedro, no one else. Time Pedro is pointing at you with that Denzel finger. Let me tell you. <laughs> Pointing at me with that Whoopi Goldberg color of purple finger. <laughs> you got that Danny don't Glover you, finger. Don't you talk bad about me <laughs> or my mama. <laughs> you get that Bobby Brown. Man, it's, it's man. He follow up with so many, you can't keep up. I, I, I just watched the first one when he's talking shit. I, I watched quite a few now. I ain't gonna lie. I probably watched like. Come back here. I probably watched like ten. <laughs> How many videos he got, dude? I'm telling you, for every time they make a rebuttal, he makes about. Hey, he makes about ten, or he he comes out with at least three or four more, dude. <laughs> Every rebuttal, he's hit three or four or five more. He has a lot, a lot of video. Kwame Brown, he, they, you know, put like this. You know, YouTube shut down his uh, Google. You know, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna start with the parent company. Google shut down his YouTube page at one point. Kwame, Kwame. He was picking up subscriptions like crazy. I'm glad he got it. I got. He ain't no busting his second life. He busting fools up in the second life. And I agree to everything he said about the Breakfast Club. Ain't no you know what's crazy? I agree with everything he said about everything, <laughs> almost everything, you know. But I agree with he he's making some good points. Like no, nah, he uh, spent he spent the last 20 years just getting ragged right. on and he's just been he was taking quiet. Notes. He took it. And now he's <laughs> like, man, I'm a grown ass man. I ain't got time for this. <laughs> he took 20 years of insults. He was happy going on, living his life. He got his like land, he got his farm, he got everything. He was living life, and then it all started. I hate to say it, Steven Jackson, he is 100% correct. He has called you out on a little bit of hypocrisy you have out there. And I, and you know what's great, Jared? See, I watch these videos because he's, he's coming out with, like, the truth, right? He's one of those guys that was there doing everything. I always say this about basketball players. Don't be surprised when you hear something later on in their life or if they, if they get caught doing something. Never be surprised. Because these fools, NBA players have a lot of time on their hand. You know how you say – the dugout in baseball is one of the worst places, Jared. That what the, some of the shit they get said and how the baseball players act and nasty. See, while they do it in the dugout, the NBA players are doing it in their personal lives because they off the court majority of the time. Mm-hmm. And Kwame Brown was man, he you you should just go to people YouTube who are just like just putting on the hits, just putting up the like cutting it up and putting out the hits from each one. 
That's yeah. where you know, he was just dropping stuff, dude. So you heard what he said about Steven Jackson, right? He said, look, man, you out here calling me out. I ain't never said this, but I ain't going to be quiet now. Since you guys want to sit here and make a joke and go constantly, I was quiet. I was living my life. I'm going to call you out. So you know what he said about Steven Jackson? He said, man, you're the one that was paying for sex, paying all these women for sex and prostitutes and things like that. you the one kept buying prostitutes everywhere we go. And Steven Jackson rebuttal was very shitty, if you ask me. His rebuttal was like, I ain't never hid nothing. I come out. Everybody know I talk about I was in strip clubs every day. I was spending thousands and bands in strip clubs all during my NBA career. Do I think it was smart for me to spend that much? Probably not, but I ain't never hid behind it. This and that. I'm like, you're hiding behind it now. You saying you're in strip club. Being in a strip club and spending bands ain't the same as buying a, a prostitute, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what Carmen Brown's like, man, she was a two. I was with you. Don't forget, they were teammates at one point. He was like, look, man, I was with you. And that girl was not a stripper. She was a prostitute. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the High Score 510 podcast. You can catch us at High Score 510 on the Instagram, the YouTube, and the Twitter. Also, make sure you check us out on the Patreon page at patreon.com backslash High Score 510. And we are here with... Uh, this is AG3, and uh, also known as Aaron Grayson III. I'm coming at you faster than uh, Pedro's wife realizing she needs to curse his ass out some more after walking out the room and keep turning back around. Cosa succederà a Rosie O'Donnell? Rosie O'Donnell shall have a sex change. She will become a man and marry Liza Minnelli's husband and beat him. Liza Minnelli's husband is getting beat like Lionel Richie. <laughs> And we are here with everybody's favorite uh, truck driver, Captain P. Funk, coming to you like a pervert at the grocery store watching women. <laughs> Last Samurai centers around Tom Cruise, a Civil War veteran who goes to Japan and teaches the Emperor's troops how to fight. Mr. No, Mooney? no. Another movie that I was offended by. The, I mean, Hollywood is crazy. The Last Samurai starring Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. He's the last samurai. Mm-hmm. Give me a break. That movie was offensive. I mean, Hollywood is crazy. First they had the Mexican with Brad Pitt, and now they've got the last samurai with Tom Cruise. Well, I've written the film. Maybe they'll maybe they'll produce my film. The last on earth oh. starring Tom Hanks. How about that? He didn't know. He he saw into the future, but he was a little off. See, the problem is he was looking at the fires and he saw the Hanks, but he didn't know that was Tom Hanks' son that was going to be the last one on Earth. It's your boy Chattana. And my name is Jared, a.k.a. DJ Art, with two T's for a double dose of that Tink Tink the Dead Song, so it's just Jart. I've always wondered why black guys shave their heads. I mean, it just seems that they have great hair, and I could never figure out why so many of them shave their heads. It's just a fan. Now, white folks wear bald heads, too. You know that they're not going to let have nothing. We wore naturals. They took that. They take everything. They took Tina Turner. They took Michael Jackson. They took James Brown. They gave him back. Who else they take? Lonnie Ritchie. Oh, they'll take stuff from so They will take. They, will, they won't let us have too much fun. That's what I told some black people the other night at my show. I said, don't get, I, I said, don't get too fond of me, because white folks will come in and take me. We only want to have a little bit of fun. <laughs> you gotta love Paul Mooney, man. Shout out to Paul Mooney. 
Rest I don't want, want him resting the peace. I want him pissed and talking shit like he was in life. <laughs> well, rest don't, Paul rest Mooney, don't rest in peace. Be out there giving them hell. You give him hell. I want you to give him so much hell that when I come up there, they so mad at me, they send me down to hell. Peter send me to hell. Because I'm going to tell Peter, hell must not be that bad. I mean, hell. Little Nas X down here giving out lap dances. I like booty. <laughs> uh, I think he prefers Richard Pryor's son, but... <laughs> he, up. he might prefer Magic, Johnson, Magic Johnson's son. And I'm not talking about Paul Mooney. I'm talking about Lil Nas X. <laughs> well, yeah, this week Paul Mooney passed away. So, um, R.I.P. to Paul Mooney, uh, a legend in the game. You know, his fingerprints are on a lot of different um, comedians' works and and uh, influence definitely uh, felt. So uh, yeah, man, lost another another black uh, comedic legend. Aside from that, how's everybody doing this week? Uh, just busy as hell. Uh, I don't know what Aaron's doing, but I've been busy because I'm busy too. I, I've I, I've told you what I was uh, planning to do on this show. I broke news on this show, saying where my next adventure and my next venture in life was going. It was going to be an owner-operator, and that shit got me busy all week. I, on top of that, my job won't give me an off day, so I had to quit that home. Wait, you, wait, are you done? Are you working out? Oh, no, I, I'm going. I'm actually going. This is my last week, so the 25th will be my last run at uh, my current company. Um, everything else, I'll start. I should have my... Um, my uh, shout out to uh, Kamalski Walski to my LLC mm-hmm. filed with the uh, uh, Internal Revenue Services here this week. If not already, I just didn't put in. I didn't put in my EIN number yet, so I got to get all that going. It's just been real busy, real hectic these last couple of weeks. At the last podcast, uh, as re- recorded. I was in and out, you know, tr- going to go pick up the tractor. So, yeah. And the week before that, I didn't have any sleep. I had to go get the tra- tractor, uh, uh, I guess, prep it or prep it for sale. Then go back and, and turn around a week later to go get it on my one little off day. So it's it's been it's been quite crazy. Yeah, you've been running like a like a, like a runaway slave. <laughs> Not yeah, I'm so tired. I ain't had, I ain't had no real sleep in a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been real busy too, Jared. I've been sitting over here working hard trying to keep uh all of Pedro Pass in place so he don't get me too and get that damn tractor taken away. <laughs> <laughs> that shit harder than what he's been doing. Yeah, you know, I've been doing my own part to make sure Pedro don't get canceled before he gets started because you know. He over here calling for certain people to get assassinated. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he calling for real people to get assassinated. I mean, all all I'm doing is hoping St. Peter lose a job. And he, he he over here calling for people out here in real life. Alleg- allegedly. <laughs> but that man out there, that 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 dude Netanyahu out there playing with people's life like they ain't nothing. Eye for an eye. Yeah. So uh, this week, yeah, Paul Mooney passed away, y'all, and. Um, it was sad. It was sad to, to lose him. You know, Adarius, uh, a couple weeks ago on the show, thought he was already dead and basically <laughs> killed him on the show. And we were like, nah, he's still alive. And then two weeks later, he passes away. So um, I guess I got to give a... Uh, the 
nigga ain't got no sex. Um, to Darius for killing Paul Mooney prematurely and cursing him and jinxing him into dying. So allegedly, yeah, allegedly. All right, well, uh, let's get into some news stories. Some news stories. In news, in news, South Carolina is in the news this week for a new bill. South Carolina Governor Harry McMaster signed a bill into law that forces death row inmates to choose between a firing squad and the electric chair. This comes after uh, the last few years, South Carolina has been having a tough time procuring uh, drugs from drug companies for lethal injection, which has led to three death row inmates getting stays of their uh, execution because they could not get the drugs in time for their planned executions. So instead, South Carolina Congress and House decided to add to the bill, making it that if they cannot get the drugs for the lethal injection, the prisoners must choose between electric chair or firing squad. What do you guys think about that? They didn't add hanging. <laughs> they used to use the firing squad. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, I'm not a big capital punishment person, right? So, I mean, but I do believe there are some people that I don't think killing someone stops a crime or slows crime down. That's like capital punishment belief. But I do believe in the fact that um, there are some people that I'd be fine if they ain't breathing this, breathing the same air as other good people in this world is. Like like Pedro said, I mean, my sister had hanging to it. I, I would take it a good old fashioned, not just hanging. You just take them out or burn them at the stakes. Also, want to do that? Well, well how about quarter? What if they just have them stoned? We just have people stoned again. <laughs> I mean, hey, other, hey, man, other countries still have stoning. They have painting. They still have all these things. Our, our whole capital punishment is supposed to be humane, and let's face it, it probably isn't. Fire well, squad might be more humane than some of the other stuff. Because don't forget, everybody's gun isn't loaded. Because they yeah. the whole psychological aspect of the people that shooting the gun. Yeah. So everybody's gun, they don't they have no idea. Some people's guns only shoot blanks. There's yep. only like usually there's like three guns that have bullets and the rest shoot blanks and no one knows who it is. Yep. Except for now, when they I'll see the angle. Person, if you stand I'll on the end, if you see if you stand on the end and you see that bullet go to the side of his head, <laughs> you know it's you. Well, that, well that's a, that's a, I'll be the person fucking it up, keep aiming at me. <laughs> Like, oh, man. we gotta do it again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the, see the thing about this. Here's the problem: is that the, it, number one, they they they're they're forcing it to where now inmates, instead of having the choice of lethal injection, now they're gonna be forced to choose between one or the other, the electric chair or the firing squad. Which is like, wait a minute, all bad. Inject, inject me so I can fall asleep and go through my convulsions and die like like a dog. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I like, mean, like inject me so I go to sleep and then use the firing squad. Yeah, yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> that'd be fine. Or inject me first and then put me in an electric chair. That's why you're going to try and green mile me, motherfucker. Please let me be sleep sleep. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to do that electric chair one. I feel like that shit going to wake you up and just keep burning. <laughs> Dude, the electric chair is fucked up, bro. I can't believe they still even just like, nah, man, we just going to electrocute your ass. We're going to put this big ass uh, uh, colander on top of your head. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, a senator, a Republican senator actually said that he worries that it's going to allow for, there's going to be definitely new lawsuits coming in about the constitutionality of this. But furthermore, he's like, he said that North Korea still does firing squads. Do we really want to be doing the same thing as North Korea? And I'm like, oh shit. Like, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not as judgmental about North Korea. I know there's some shit going on, but, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, you know, like if you're trying to create a standard that separates yourself from a certain 
part of the world or certain country, like, yeah, maybe you should not, uh, you know, have the extreme forms of your punishment or the way you carry out your laws be mirroring exactly what this other place that you're trying to, you know, not be like is doing. No, well, Aaron is right though. They, I was just thinking about death in another country. It's most most of other countries, firing squad. The only only people that don't have any um, death penalties were all the European base. If y'all had to choose electric chair, or firing squad, what would you choose? Firing squad. I mean, either way, I mean, I'd probably be pissing and crapping on myself as I'm sitting there. But you're hooded also. They don't, you don't get to see. But it sounds kind of shitty, but it at least sounds like it's fast and quick, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, I'll, I'll choose firing squad and they'll have Pedro and motherfuckers ain't never shot a gun before aiming at me. Yeah, that'll be, that's, that's my one. <laughs> yeah, but I wonder, it's like firing squad's got to hurt getting hit with a bullet. It hurt, hurts like shit. It hurts bad. Die, so, no, so you fast. got, it's, you got, it's, it's almost like a state of shot. But they're yeah. not shooting you so in the head. Have you ever heard of? Um, no, they shoot you in the head in firing squad. No, no they're not. Yeah. No, they shoot you in the body because they got to leave your head so you can be buried, bro. They ain't doing no close cut. You think they care about that, Jerry? Come on. Yeah. Right, I mean, the best way to go is execution style. Somebody shoots you in the back of the brain. But if you if you ever heard of these stories about people getting shot, if you're getting shot with a high powered rifle, um, it's a, you're in a state of shock. If you get shot with like a 38 special or a 22, that's when it hurts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you get a high powered rifle, it's you're not gonna you're yeah. gonna be in shock. You're gonna be in shock. Just like if you hear you hear people like lose limbs or get shot in the leg and everything, you, you hear them talk about. Uh, like just the the power and force of the weapon is so strong yeah. that you don't even know what happened. Like like when there's those dudes was robbing um robbing the banks out in L.A. back in uh, what was that, Aaron? Was that ninety five? That was like ninety five, ninety four when they the one so, where they walked in with all them rifles. Yeah, all the rifles. So you heard that story about the police officer. He came to actually came to a church in Vegas. He was in a church in Vegas. We went to. He told the story. Said his leg went straight when he was, they shot him. His leg went straight in his straight in the air, like he could, like somebody pushed him in the air, and he said he didn't feel anything. <laughs> He's like he felt nothing. So yeah, it's, it's kind of yeah. He said it's, it's like his leg. He thought his leg was going to come off because it, it shot in the air so fast. And they shot him in the leg, and his leg kicked. That's that. <clears throat> that ain't a fun way to go. No, either way, I mean, it's there's terrible where to go, but well, they said they, said, they, firing squads they still don't have the policy yet. So, um, oh, and there's already they, four states. This one was a big surprise. So I was like, I know Utah and a couple other states did firing squads. Yeah, but they probably had that for a long time. This, they're adding this in 2021 as another option. Like, you would think that, like, not you're not adding to this, you're taking this away as an option, and you still got our military that still use it, but our military still uses it, they never well, stop. Our military play with guns though all day, man. You go in the military, you you like to get shot by a real motherfucker. You want to get shot by a real motherfucker, okay? So I I, I see the military. You know, it's still like that's that's the code they were using a long time ago. But you would think it'd be taken away, not adding to it. That's the point. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I think I would take the electric chair just because I want to see, just you know. You want to see? Yeah, you're gonna be seeing all that. Your eyes gonna be covered on every type of execution here. You ain't seeing nothing. I just want to see if I can survive it. You know, saying you you heard about those people who do survive electric chairs. You know, saying yeah, because it ain't it ain't power. Sometimes ain't got enough power going through. I'll choose electric chair too. Next time there's a winter storm in Texas. Yeah, come on.
They're using them Tesla batteries. Hey, well, all right. <laughs> like, so then, you get up and walk. You might so get then, up and run out. So then, instead of adding firing squad, what would be like? What, what would be a better alternative instead of just like firing squad? What would be uh, more drowning. Humane? Okay, drowning them. Okay, toilet drowning. I'm talking about you hold their head in the toilet. <laughs> Come on, man. You give them a so, it's gotta be a dirty ass. So, like you so, bring people in there after they fucking like Panda Express. What about like, uh, can you do death by Liam Neeson? They paint you up to look like a uh, like an African immigrant in Ireland and say that you did something to. So he never he never found nobody, or he either got his ass kicked. See, Liam Neeson not telling us the whole story. I didn't see one. Either he went to the one town that he knew he wasn't going to see one, or he got his ass kicked and ain't telling us. I believe the second part, he got his ass kicked. Exactly. <laughs> what well, it, shoot, man. Ain't never no acting tough guy. Ain't no such thing as an actor that's a real tough guy. Steven Seagal break real arms. Man, Steven Seagal was down there looking like fucking... He, Steven Seagal looks like how Marlon Brando looked in Apocalypse Now when he surprised everybody, and they're like, God damn, he got all this weight on him. That's Steven Seagal. They were talking about uh, one of the worst ways of dying is drowning. One like of the ways? Worst yeah, that's why I said it's the worst way. That's why I, I know. I know it is. Oh. <laughs> I said in a shitty, do- dirty toilet. But, but that's only for people who we know. Not none of those. You know, like I said, I don't believe that. That's for someone like Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Those people who just shouldn't be walking, breathing air. Richard Ramirez, uh, Scott Peterson. Netanyahu. Those are special certain people. What Those are the ones that Lil Nas X won't even give a lap dance to in hell. Deontay Wilder uh, was victorious in his appeal. Wilder Fury 3 has been set for this summer, uh, 2021, and it is happening after a judge ruled that Fury must fight Wilder because of the, the rematch clause in their original contract, and he cannot fight Anthony Joshua or another fighter um, before he fights Wilder in the rematch that was written in the motherfucking contract to begin with. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that, Aaron? Well, it's in the contract. I was I was just shocked. I mean, I know why why Fury was trying to not do the fight. He wasn't dodging. This ain't like, you know, he ain't Sugar Ray Leonard. That's right. I call out Ray Leonard. He wasn't Sugar Ray Leonard, right? He wasn't uh Roy Jones kept ducking. Roy Jones Jr. kept ducking your boy Bernard Hawkins. He wasn't like that. He was he isn't ducking Wilder. He's already fought him twice. He's not ducking him. No, I understand the payday was bigger for him to fight that other uh, weak British dude. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What's his name? Anthony Soccer Joseph, whatever his name Anthony is. Anthony Joshua. Fool. Anthony Joshua, that weak fool. Uh, but anyways, I guess because they're both English or something, uh, I don't know what it had to do with Scott. Uh, maybe because there's no one else to watch in heavyweight boxing. Now, for some reason, the payday for that was big. Is going to be big, right? Well, it's because like, Joshua is, is fought, faced a little turmoil because he was the last guy to beat the Klitschko brothers. Basically, he put out he retired the Klitschko brothers, who had been dominant for some time, and dominant amongst yeah, nobody, and, the, yeah. and and got old. But he's fought. But Joshua's actually fought some real talent yeah. versus Wilder, who's only and he's a boxer. He's a boxer, yeah. so we know we get a boxing. Match. You'll get a boxing match versus Wilder, who was just beating up garbage cans in Houston. You know what I'm saying? Um, but <laughs> yeah. he, he was beating up people that I that I think would have lost to the people that Kimbo Slice was beating back in the alleys. Come on, you know I think I think the combinations that De- uh, Deontay Wilder used was uh, was relayed from the scoreboard uh, camera in at the Houston Astros. They're like, yeah, 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 hit that dude one time. What? All right, all right, all right. It's, it's a curveball. Hit it twice. 
Whap, whap. Exactly. <laughs> There's no exactly. common. There's very simple combinations. Exactly. But I will say is, yeah, Joshua presents a, a tougher fight for him because he actually is a real boxer. Yeah. And he's faced, he lost his title to, um, was it Ortiz or? Um, yeah, to that fat boy. Yeah, to the, yeah. He lost, he lost title, his title to, to title. the walking Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah, who then gained more weight because he was celebrating getting his win and then came in out of shape and got beat by uh, Joshua. <laughs> but, even more out of shape. Yeah, but uh, Joshua for sure is an interesting fight. And I think that, that I see why the payday would be bigger. Um but yeah, he has to he has to honor the the contractual obligations that they signed on to. So I'm happy to see Wilder. You know, saying I, apparently they try to pay off Wilder and just like pay and you know uh, push it down the road. How much was it? Like 17 million? I don't know like how this. much it was, but uh, they tried to pay him off to. And he he said he wasn't taking the payday. He wanted his rematch, which I kind of this is one of the reasons why I give Wilder credit and I appreciate Wilder. But I just think he's a limited fighter and he's not getting any younger. He's going to be 35, I believe, this year. So yeah, I don't know why he didn't take the money. I would have see. This is what I would have done. I would have took the money, but I would have made us you know, before I take the money. We got to write a contract that in eight months we having this fight, right? Or yeah. whenever that fight was, like you get basically eight months after that, and this fight happens because he is getting older. And no matter what, like you said, he didn't come into the game as a young man. He didn't win the Olympics. He didn't do none of that. Mm-hmm. For the sport of boxing, I think this is kind of a it's a negative thing because you were going to have a big fight at the heavyweight division that was like, oh, we haven't seen these guys fight. You're going to get Wilder Fury 3, which is like, oh, Wilder, you know, his power can knock out anybody, but he hasn't fought a guy as big as Fury and his power, you know, and Fury. Which he seems, can, which he can. Well, he can, he but Fury, he almost knocked. He, he almost knocked You know what? The There's fight. still a little controversy because, I mean, let's be real. Fury was down there for about 14 seconds. Yeah. He uh, was on the ground for a second. Then he rolls like the Undertaker after that. He just, yeah, but but he rolls up. But also, Wilder was was being outboxed for ten out of those twelve rounds. So I don't. I I'm understand surprised how he wasn't being outboxed for thirteen of the twelve rounds. He yeah. can't box. <laughs> he can't box. But the thing is, is you know he has a chance. But we kind of know. I think we know what's going to happen again. I don't think that story is going to change unless Wilder has really, you know, after making all the excuses and throwing his former trainer under the bus about poisoning his water or you know I'm saying not you know not letting him die on his shield and yada yada like. All these things, like, you know, I, I hope he can come back a better version of not his old self. <laughs> Just, like, come back a better version of a new fighter that has your that has your God-given abilities, but just, like, a totally different, like, revamped fighter. But I don't think you can learn that at this age in the game, this stage in the game. It's not like he's going to learn how to throw a, a unique combination in boxing or learn how to throw, double up, double up that hook, you know what I'm saying? He's not going to do that, you know? He can't double up that jab the same way some fighters can, where they just pepper you with that jab and snap it out there yeah. two times. Yeah, he hasn't learned that. He doesn't, have this te- he doesn't have his own technique, whether it works in some fights or not, he don't have it. You just don't have one. Now his That's technique is, is 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 hope you a garbage can and hit the shit out I of you. Swing as hard as I can. Uh, so what, what I'm reading is that he wanted twenty million to step aside, and uh, Fury refused to pay twenty million. Would they offer? Him I, what I read is that he was going to go as high as ten. Yeah, no, nah, I, I, see that. I think I, and I, look, I ain't got no problem with Wilder. Look, we got a contract. Pay me twenty, I step aside. You can't play somebody in kind of like Brohams, here. Yeah, you can't pay him in Brohams. Nope. Even if it's Merlot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only Pedro you could buy off with Cadillac Brohams. Yep. What do you think is going to happen in, in, in round three of Wilder Fury? If he don't knock him out before round three, then it's the fight's over. Tyson Fury's going to continue to keep punching him. He might knock him out. He might not. The thing with Tyson Fury, he's a great boxer. He doesn't have really too much. He doesn't, to be honest, for a heavyweight, he's probably like 
he probably has the least amount of power of any, any heavyweight, any heavyweight that I've seen, right? But he's 6'9", 270 pounds. That's he's the, huge. He's huge. He's huge. He's and usually huge heavyweights have power. He really doesn't have power behind him. A lot of power behind him. Which I, yeah, I would, say, I would say, I think he has power. He just doesn't have pop. The thing is that he has all that weight and, and that leverage. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're yeah. feeling it, but he don't have the pop. I mean, like, like when I think about heavyweights, all heavyweights, like you think about the fights that really had a great trilogy, right? You think about Holyfield, Bo. Bo yeah. And like Tyson Fury reminds me a lot about uh, uh, Vander Holyfield. Vander Holyfield didn't have pop, but I felt like he still was a little more powerful than Tyson Fury. And Vander Holyfield wasn't huge. He was cut. He was ripped. Hey, he had pop, though, man. Guy. You hear them punches he was throwing, bro? Well, him and Bo. Like I said, he had some power, but Bo were had more the shit out of each other, man. That yeah, they hit each other into CTE. They, they both got their CTE the from the They other. ruined their careers with that trilogy. That's the Dude. greatest trilogy ever. They ruined their careers. I had trilogy. a headache. My third eye had a black. I had a, th- a black <laughs> third eye right here from watching them motherfuckers hit each oh, other. Oh, those were some great fights. I miss those fights. You know, you know that's the sad. You know what's sad about boxing? You know, every sport could always say or find you find someone older that's like, man, I miss those days, right? I miss the days when the NBA was a lot harder and they were hard fouls and foods actually played defense and cared on a Tuesday night, right? I miss those days. Or I miss the days in the NFL when you could, you know, you could hit a quarterback or you could hit a wide receiver over the middle. Wasn't called defenseless if he touched the ball. I miss those days, right? Kickoffs actually really happened. Or, or I miss baseball, the way it was played, was people stealing bases and the, the St. Louis teams of the 80s playing on that quick astral turf, just butting their way on base and stealing their way all the way over, button runs it. But boxing is the one sport that it's just gone, and it's not because the game has changed or anything better, it's gone, and you miss some real good boxing matches. Just like the, the Holyfield Bowl. I almost feel sorry for kids who like boxing now who are unable to watch just at least watch one of those in person, right? Or as it's happening, the Holyfield bow. I'd say go back, watch watch Legendary Nights on YouTube because they always break it down and you see enough of the fight. Uh, watch. I mean, there's fights that I really, I was real young and that I go back and watch now and I'm like, damn, I didn't. Re- I remember the energy and watching it with my dad, but I didn't realize how great this fight was. You know, fight like mm-hmm. Hagler Hearns, man. Like I watched and sat there with him and didn't and my brother-in-law things like that didn't realize how big i watched it but to watch it as an adult and just be like damn this was one of the greatest fights you know it's just like man sometimes i go back and watch the heavyweights from muhammad ali or watch the whole fight and just like damn this was science this was the sweet science here well now you got the you got the celebrity boxing so that'll that'll take us over the hump i mean celebrity boxing does a great job of hyping up the fight we're gonna see the sweet science of internet hype the problem is they don't train long enough so and they're not like most of these if you think about what made the sweet science so good is that it was sort of like you know like when you saw the mayweather versus uh mcgregor fight right you could tell mcgregor had a boxing background but you could tell it was still limited right like the mma versus usc fights the problem is whoever whatever if a boxer go to mma whoever's fighting in their natural you know ring whether it's an octagon or a square they're going to win because they're going to have the more experience for a lifetime of training for it. Right. Like McGregor looked like he used to be a boxer, but the problem is I remember when we were watching that fight together, that was when we came back from Portland, Jared, we were watching that fight together. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying the thing that McGregor's missing out on is that he, he, he's not understanding angles. Right. Like, cause he doesn't have that lifetime. He, you can tell he has some boxing background, but not the lifetime to understand the science of if I just stay a little bit to one side, 
I create a different angle, a different punch angle, right? That mm-hmm. I can get a little bit more behind so that even if he's nicking this with his arms, I'm still putting a little bit of a little bit of a, you know, pepper in his head a little bit, right? Pepper in his body a little bit. He doesn't understand those angles. Like when I go back and watch even George Foreman, which I thought was lazy back in the day, but George Foreman was all about his angles, all about his angles. When he had his old push the hands down technique, it was all about his angles. He angled you. So when he goes for a push, when you did push through it, you were barely grazing. Mm-hmm. And so that's the sweet science because these guys were training their whole life. You know, they go in the they go into the gym in in, in piss uh, Philly. They go into the gym in Detroit, where where Thomas Hearns are, or the Boston, where Rocky Marciano was from. And they've been training there since they were ten and eleven and twelve. You know, when they get in middle school, or you get to upper elementary school, and you used to you know used to get in fights in the street or need to protect yourself. So you go learn boxing, and they love the sport, and they do it their whole life. That's the science behind it, right? The celebrity boxing, it's just like Nate Robinson. I need to, Nate Robinson to train for another year and, and call out Jake Paul for a rematch. Train for more than a year, and you got to get some real sparring partners. Don't go in there with nobody that's your homie. Don't go in there with no one like this. You don't want a dick. You don't want you don't want a dick in there like and like McGregor was acting towards his sparring, sparring partners, knocking them out. You want a guy that knows how to box, and that and you know that's that's replicating Jake Paul's style and size. And then you're going to see like, okay, this is, this is the angle of his punches, right? That's the sweet science behind it. You notice like when you see people like Tyson, Tyson was a man, Tyson, you talk about a, a, a scientific Nobel laureate of boxing. It was him. He used to change his style. He fought with his head up. Remember Tyson's style with his head up. So he would have this technique where he was always moving and bobbing because he's looking and that's the science. Nate Robinson, man, I, they need lifetime of training. That's the only thing. Celebrity boxing is nice because they do a good job of getting this hype. Like, all right, let me see this person fight this person. But it ain't no science. Yeah, yeah, right? He was farting in bathtubs laughing your ass off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Simple Jack thought he was smart. Or rather, didn't think he was retarded, so he can't afford to play retarded being a smart actor. Playing a guy who ain't smart but thinks he is, that's tricky. Hmm, tricky. It's like working with Mercury. It's high science, man. It's art form. The Golden State Warriors. Yeah. They are done. They lost this week once to the Lakers on some controversy, but not, you know, self-inflicted. Self-inflicted. It's, it's more controversial if you're a Warriors fan. Self-inflicted wounds uh, next to some controversy. But I would say that the self-infliction allowed the controversy to take hold of the situation. Had they not turned the ball over so much and played a little bit of a cleaner game, they probably wouldn't have had to worry about some of those calls that went against them at the end of the game. Aside from that, they then followed it up with a loss at home against the Memphis Grizzlies and Ja Morant. I guess what I want to get into, Aaron, is, you know, we had, we were very skeptical and at the beginning of the season we were calling out what we thought the Warriors could and what would do and so I just want to go um down the line and say uh you know did did the Warriors as a team and a couple individual players did they um meet your expectations did they exceed them or did they fall short of your expectations so let's go ahead and start off the star of the team Steph Curry Aaron this season Mm -hmm. did he exceed your expectations did he fall short of them or did he meet them he exceeded them because remember that was my call out my call out was, we keep calling Steph Curry up here with the greats. I don't think we should call him up here with LeBron. I don't think he is. Is he one of the best players in the league? Is he top three right now? Yes. Is he top four? More, yeah, or, or three, you know, you got an argument. But yeah, he's up there. He's easily top five. But my argument was, I needed him to drag a bad team to a playoffs, right? 
I needed him to go out. Like last year, he got it. Like it wasn't happening last year. It wasn't happening. We could see in those few games he played, it wasn't happening. But I needed him to show me that he was at MVP count. Because right now, to me, Steph Curry is, is, you know, I like to keep my things in tears. But if I was to go top 10, he's not in the top 10. But people, a lot of people want to put him in the top 10 because he changed the game with the shooting, which he did. But I don't think he's in the top 10 because he hasn't won without having this great team around him, right? And Mm. so he didn't have to win this year. I wanted him dragging the playoffs. But I'm going to go with exceeded my expectations, even though they didn't make the playoffs. They would have if they didn't have the stupid-ass playing game. Steph Curry, this team finished eighth. He should have been in the playoffs. Um, he shouldn't win MVP. They announced the top three MVP. Was he one of them? I don't mind if he is, but he shouldn't get a first-place vote. I would have liked to see Chris Paul there in front of Curry because Paul took a team. Of course, you know, you had the Lakers injuries and a few other injuries on why Chris mm-hmm. Paul finished second. But the fact he took a team that didn't make the playoffs last year he was the different ingredient in it, and they finished second. He was the one ingredient different from that team. Oh, and Jay Crowder, but Chris Paul was a whole other ingredient that changed the flavor and made them winning and made them efficient. So um, Steph Curry, he 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 went far beyond my Sounds like he didn't exceed him the way you're talking bad about him, though. Uh, no, you know, I'm one of those people that I, I, I like to call it how it is. He had a slow start. And he look, Jerry, he had a game that he played in which they lost by 58 points, man. I would say he exceeded expectations because he was able to carry them to eighth seed that they mm-hmm. then lost in the playing games. And I'm, I honestly, I'm not mad at the playing games. I kind of like it still. I don't, I think it's, it sucks that the Warriors had to fall at the hands of the, the playing games, but they should have won. That's my I thing. Like, like you had it, you should have won, you should have beat those teams. You should have won the first game or you should have won the same game. Either way, um, Steph Curry exceeded my expectations this season because he did get them in a position with his play to uh, win more games than than what it looked like at the beginning of the season or from what we could take in from last season's team. Um, you know, actually, no, I'm going to say he met my expectations. I think he got his team in playoff contention. He carried the team for the most part. He was the main person that the team was running off of. Everyone was working off his orbit. So um, he got him to playoff contention. So that I'll say he met my expectations. That was, I expected him to at least get them to playoff contention. And if it weren't for the playing game, they would have made the playoffs. Um, Let's go to uh, Andrew Wiggins. Did he exceed your expectations, meet them, or fall short? Can I call push? Can I call push? Because, I mean, he's had flashes of some The problem with Andrew Wiggins is that people saw the way he played this year and said, man, when Clay come back and then he's like the third option, we're going to be in a good place. I've seen Andrew Wiggins be the third option on teams, and he falls back into a malaise, right? Mm -hmm. He was the third option when Minnesota had Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler ended up just cursing him and Carl Carl Anthony Towns out, so he got traded. So it's a push. He's had some. He had some good successes. He was inconsistent too, though. Mm -hmm. He was inconsistent. Um, He he tried to play a little bit more defense. Um, I mean, he's still just Andrew Wiggins, right? You know. Yeah. You know, he could be a piece that to me he's Harrison Barnes 2.0, but. I, I trust Harrison Barnes a little more consistently. Mm-hmm. More athletic than Harrison Barnes. He uses yeah. athleticism more. I mean, Harrison Barnes is not unathletic. He just, Wiggins is more athletic and uses it more, right? It's like part of his game a little more to jump, to to do this. But he he was still 2.0. Like, like, like he had that great game versus the Lakers, right? Especially in the first half when he was guarding LeBron. But I mean, he's guarding a 75% LeBron. But he didn't, instead of just going out there 
you know, the problem is, is like he did that well against a, a LeBron that has no lift. And then soon as, but during the, the other games when LeBron was healthy, he didn't play nothing like that. But I'm going to say push because he wasn't back. Yeah, I would say um, he exceeded my expectations. Not because his stats are markedly better. Like, yeah, he, he had his best field goal percentage, uh, percentage um, of his career at four, almost 48%, 47.7, which is two points higher than it was last year and three and a half points higher than it was two years ago. So his, his efficiency went up. Um, by a couple percentage points. Um, but it, it, the stats are similar. Like, you know, on the season, I think he averaged, yeah, he averaged 18.6 the season last year. He averaged 19. He's averaged over 20 a couple of times in his, in his career. So his scoring didn't go up. But I would say that as a defensive factor in guarding some of the best players on the other team's, uh, you know, perimeter, like what he did against LeBron in that playoff game, um, I, I, you know, I give him credit. I think he exceeded my expectations in that playing game, not playoff game, because it doesn't. Oh, the count. playing like, game. Sorry, it sorry. doesn't count for playoff stats. That's why I don't like it. It's like oh, yeah, in the yeah, middle yeah. of nothing. It's like in limbo. It's a yeah. They got to figure that out. But 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 overall, he did. He guarded LeBron the whole game. He showed more tenacity. I I just seen him being more tenacious on defense, swiping at balls, getting his hands on on passes, versus you know his first few years in Minnesota, especially like he he didn't know how to help play help defense he you know he'd watch fools run by him for offensive rebounds and putbacks where if he would just stand next to his man and watch dudes like slash right by him and not even you know go hard at it so i'll say exceeded because i think he became a better all-around player and it doesn't bear out necessarily in the a big change in his offensive numbers but i think that you know his his effort on the defensive end from the games i did see and the, the snippets i did see um was was markedly improved from previous years that i've seen him play where he he's a liability on defense, you know, and he's just not even, not even a presence. Right. Um, All right. Well, let's go to uh, our next one is head coach, Steve Kerr. Uh, He met my expectations, which was, I think he's an overrated coach. (laughs) And so he met him. He, to me was the, if I was to get grades, like Wiggins, Wiggins might be a B minus, right. C plus around there, probably close to a C plus. Uh, Steph Curry gives an A plus from me. Uh, Steve Kerr will be an F. This mm-hmm. is two years in a row now, right? Mm-hmm. You get all this credit by having this, and, and you you get all the credit about being this great coach. I never thought he was a great coach. He went straight from not yeah, coaching I mean, yeah. to becoming the Warriors coach with all this yeah. winning. And he, and when everything is going right, we give Steve credit to coach. But as we saw, when Luke Walton, who can't coach at all, right, had to take over the team for half a year, he has all he goes and. Was that the 73 win year? No, that was the year after that, right? Yeah, Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr is not like he's not a builder. He's not a he's not, he's a, not contra- a builder. He's not a he contractor. You a come in, he's not a contractor and an and architect that you ask to come in and build something, right? He's like more like a, 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 a like he's like one of the people you see on uh HDTV. He come in there and flip a home or like do a renovation and make a home and spruce it up. You know, you already got the foundation, you already got everything you need, and he come in there and put a backsplash that looks real nice in your kitchen change up the drawers a little bit, you know, add a little uh, lining, a little, you know, the, you know, paint the, the window seals a certain color, you know, get things to pop a little bit. He adds to, to what's already there, but he's not going to sit there and, you know, plan it out and rebuild it and, you know, reformulate a brand new house, right? That's not Steve Kerr. So um, for me, I would say he, he um, I would say he probably met my, he met, met the expectations of what it was that, actually, no, I'm going to say this. He <laughs> fell short. I expected him uh, to show that he could coach a little more than what he has. 
uh-huh. expected him to, 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 you know, adapt the coaching style, adapt the team. And, like, I'll give him credit that he got the team playing better as a whole. But when I when I watched the games, it was still – there wasn't there wasn't as, as much of a ball movement. There, like, the coaching decisions in the playing game where he took out Looney and didn't play Looney in the fourth quarter, in the second half barely. Like, some of those things, like, I'm just like, bro – you have to make the right piece moves at the right time too. He can't make he didn't do that. Well. And, he and, can't and, make adjustments and, at and, all. And, Even and, during the seasonal adjustments. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be the point where Steph Curry, all they gotta do is run a second dude at Steph Curry, and then the ball's out of his hands. And now all of a sudden you got Mulder and some other motherfuckers I never heard of who got the ball in their hands trying to make a decision. You know what I'm saying? He like can't make, he can't I don't think he's good at secondary adjustments. And mm-hmm. I'm talking about the during season adjustments. When like players get hurt or players get nicked or this guy isn't playing as well as he could be. Like, you know, like Luke Walton did a bad job on the secondary adjustments, which was to stop playing Buddy Hill after a while, right? Like Buddy Hill should have had his minutes cut or go to more of a three-guard lineup with Fox Hill and Holly Burton. It took him too long to get there, right? Like you already sacrificed Sacramento season when Burton showed he, he should be on the court the whole game, right? Especially in the fourth. But mm-hmm. he was stuck on Hill. Steve Kerr is stuck on the offense that went so well with Draymond doing the passing, Curry coming off screens. And the problem is, to me, he couldn't make an adjustment for, to he had Wiseman. And remember how you were like, oh, man, I wish they do that. Steve Kerr does not do that. He doesn't make the adjustment that would have helped this team out was to have more pick and rolls with Wiseman. They had no pick and rolls with Wiseman this year, Jared. Mm-hmm. None. Curry, he should have been the one picking off Curry and rolling to the fucking basket. Now, mm-hmm. I do admit, Curry isn't, like, the greatest passer, right? He isn't the greatest passer at point guard that can, like, isn't, like, pick and rolling with Chris Paul and he's going to find you cutting to the basket or the guy that's trying to shut you off the cutting open in the corner. That's not that's not Curry's game, but work on it. I mean, keep teams humble with it, right? Tony Parker and Tim Duncan ran that pick and roll. Not all the time, but they ran it well, right? And Tony Tim Duncan didn't pop. He ran to the basket because that's where he was. And, to, and if he didn't, he slowed down. So if they followed Tim Duncan, he slowed down enough so Parker could score. We said the thing that impressed me with Curry is his ability to finish at the basket, right? Very underrated finisher at the basket. It doesn't get enough credit for it. And run pick and rolls, but Kerr doesn't do this. I noticed this when they were winning. He doesn't do this. I noticed this the year that 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 Kevin Durant went down, right? He doesn't make adjustments. He doesn't do this, right? The only adjustment he made that year was, remember, we had that boring Houston Warriors series. The one that Kevin Durant got hurt, which actually the series got better after Kevin Durant got hurt because it was just isolation ball. Because Kevin was like, just give me the ball. I'm just going to score it, right? Like, I'm tired of this running off screens and all this right now. Just give me the ball. I'm going to fucking score it. And James Harden would come down and do his isolation. Then back to Durant isolation. And that showed me that he didn't know how to make, he didn't know how to make adjustments to even keep Durant, like, more actively engaged. A guy who loves basketball actively engaged within the game. And yeah. so... He met my expectations because I already knew who he was. It's well, like Steve Nash now. Steve Nash got a job he didn't deserve. He has a name. They're going to win because they're more talented than everyone else. Golden State was winning because it was a great team that was put together and they were mature and ready to explode and ready to come into their own, which they did this Kerr's first year. Yeah. Well, no, I, and I agree with that. I think I just think I just think you got to find yeah more creative ways to to make your offense diverse and exploit the mismatches mismatches that you have when you have them and being able to do that and identify those pieces keeps other people engaged. Also, it's like take the mismatches and run what they can do or what they could potentially do that will, you know what I'm saying? Utilize their skill set, utilize their talent or utilize, you know what I'm saying? The advantage that you do have, 
you know, a lot of it, it seemed to be, you know what I'm saying, pass it to Draymond and Draymond would do the little handoff screen thing. Um, or, you know, some some other non-ball handler would have the ball and try and be waiting for Steve, Steph Curry to come off a screen across the court and make a bad pass, potentially. Potentially. Sometimes it's good. But, um, yeah, Steve Kerr, uh, you know, did not meet expectations for me, I'd say. All right, let's move on to Draymond Green. Did he meet expectations, exceed them, or fall short? I know he's a special one for you, Aaron, because you you were saying he was washed at the beginning of the season. You know, I'm gonna go. You were saying, saying he was washed, nigga. So I'm gonna go with then. Since I said he was washed, he went above my expectations. See, don't forget, Jerry. I'm going by what my expectation was, not where they really finished. Like he went above. I really wanted to say, now, if I was going by, let's say I didn't say anything in the beginning, he met my expectation. Draymond Green's a strange case here. It's a strange case because he plays his role within his team so well, and it's an important role, right? And he's the playmaker of the team. He's a playmaker without having to have handles and be a playmaker. He's a defensive leader. He's a vocal leader, right? But uh, he has this thing where his game, is his offensive game other than passing is really washed up. His scoring ability is washed, and it doesn't make sense. Like, usually players that's good, like, in the life, their jump shot gets better, right? Mm-hmm. Jermaine O'Neal, right? As the older you got, his jump shot got better. Al Jefferson, like, I'm thinking of other power forwards. Their range usually is Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett was a guy that was like Draymond Green, right? His game when he came in the league was very much his playmaking ability of passing, his ability – to impact the defense with steals, blocks, and guarding multiple people and athletic ability more than Draymond. But he also, and his ability to rebound, right? When Kevin Garnett came in the league. Now, when Kevin Garnett was excellent league at an older age than Draymond Green is now, he had a nice jump shot, right? Nice. Yeah, he's still clanging a lot. He's clanging. These old niggas be clanging that rim a lot, bro. They, what? They make shots, right? No, they clang the rim a lot. That's when they retire because they ain't hitting them jumpers. They be trying to shoot them. That's where they they get their open shots at now because they can't get to the rim the same way. They retire because the defense, when the defense finally learned that they can't go around me no more, right? I'm not going to give them an open jump shot, but they they range expand. They hit jump shots. Draymond Green's 32, Jared, right? He ain't We're talking about Kevin Garnett retiring at Kevin Garnett's my age, right? He's my age. We're not talking about like, like people. Like Kevin Garnett, Kevin Garnett in Boston is older than Draymond Green is now, right? Mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett, all those years in Boston, was 34. He was in his mid and starting to hit the late 30s, right? And he was still hitting jump shots, still averaging 15, 14 a game, hitting jump shots. Well, all I'm going to say is Draymond Green met my expectations because uh, he I, played. I said he exceeded mine. He well, he exceeded him because you thought he was you thought he was washed, washed. He is important and he I, played a great role. He, look, I don't think he should have been an All Star, but he bought out. And, and you know what? I don't have a problem with him making All Star team. Yeah, he nah, I, I'll just say this. I'll say this. He's but his everything. scoring ability is it's real weird because it's I'll, like I'll give awful. it to you. I'll give it to you that his, that his scoring needs to be more important. He needs to emphasize that. And I was talking about that in uh, with some people. I said he should be shooting ten shots a game. Thirty one. He should be shooting 10 shots a game because he needs to keep his shot in rhythm, some some semblance of rhythm. He needs to be also keeping the other teams honest, like because there's times in the game where they think he's going to pass. And like usually he finds a good pass 
But it's like also like if you don't keep them honest and you don't go hard at the rim, you can get fouls on people. You can make them have to know that you can also just go at the rim when they decide to double off the off the screen or off the fake pass and, and or pull up and just shoot your shot. Like if they're going to leave you open, shoot it. Stay in rhythm. You can't not be in rhythm and then expect to make a floater at the end of the game and a regulation like the other night when they when they lost to Memphis and he didn't hit the goddamn rim on a floater from like eight feet out. You know what I'm saying? Like go up strong, be aggressive. Um, I do think that his offensive game needs to stay consistent and he needs to be consistently taking shots. And but I he's got to work because he used to I, hit three. Well, no, no, but the, the first thing is, round, he hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The, the issue is that he's not shooting very much anymore. There's numerous games this season where he had two points in like 15 rebounds and 12 assists. Like mm-hmm. that happened multiple times where he's getting double digits, well above yeah. double digits and uh, rebounds and assists and getting steals and blocks, doing everything else that you need to do but he's scoring literally two or four points. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? He doesn't need to score for them to win because he's doing everything else, but he should also be shooting enough to say, hey, you know what? If I make just four out of 10 shots, 40%, you know what I'm saying? If I'm going to shoot 40% and I'm going to make sure that I'm practicing shooting 40% all the time, then I'm going to get myself eight to 12 points probably because I'm going to get some free throws here and there because I'm probably going to go to the rim or I might hit a three here and there because they're leaving me wide open for a three. But the main thing is he should be shooting at least 10 shots a game, if not 12 12 shots, some, some 10 to 12 shots a game. That should be in his like routine. I think this year he focused so much on enhancing what Steph, him and Steph Curry could do and trying to keep all the other players involved that he that he stopped shooting almost altogether. And so then when times come up where he needs to shoot, he's not ready to shoot. He ain't got the touch. He ain't got the feel for it. That's like asking a nigga to come on in off the bench uh, fourth quarter. He ain't played all game and be there as a three-point shooting specialist. That nigga's yeah. probably going to miss. Okay, Draymond Green, you've been playing the whole game. You got a good lather on, but you ain't been shooting all game, so you probably gonna miss. And so for me, <laughs> Draymond Green has got to stay more involved, going after his own points um, on a consistent basis, so that he can then, you know, it, it will help everything else out. And I think that he focused so hard on doing the other things that he lost track of that, lost sight of that, and that that ended up hurting him in the playoffs, and 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 will end up hurting playing, them playing, playing, playing game. And it will hurt them down the road. But I will say that he uh, he met my expectations of being a dude who is the salt of the team, as I said in the past. He's the salt that enhanced all the other flavors of all the other ingredients. He made everyone else around him better by playing hard-ass D, a rim protection. He made whatever. the dish better, though. Yeah, he made the dish better. Well, no, no, the dish the dish already had so, subpar ingredients. He made the ingredients. He he helped them so, accept the ingredients. So he's making up. somebody somebody overcooked the okra, and it's slimy, and it's overcooked. But no, no, somebody somebody brought it. some slimy okra. That you know, at least it tastes yeah, better so now that it's got some salt in it. If so it was about some slimy, slimy okra, okra with okra, no salt on it, you'd be to, like, "What the fuck?" Gave it to gave it to uh, gave it to Steve Kerr, and he put it on the plate. He plated it. He plated it, and so you had to throw a lot of Draymond Green on it to get it seasoned up, so that it yeah. could at least be a little edible. And you know who that okra is? Juan Toscano Anderson. <laughs> you know who that okra Juan is? Anderson. Some nigga named Mulder. Tommy Corey. See what this so-called button does. Tony Larusa, the anti-black people saving baseball manager, chastises his own player for hitting a home run on a 3-0 count against a position player that they decided to bring in so they could save their pitchers. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, Tony Larusa is just man. This motherfucker. I hate. You know what, man? See, you know what? I, I, everything I said about Steve Kerr is like multiplied a hundred times by Tony Larusa, a guy that he yes he has three World Series wins, yes he won in two different leagues, like he gets a lot of credit 
people start, I don't know what happened that made people say, hey, we should listen to this guy. Remember, he was the first guy to come up with the term closer, right? And only used them in the ninth inning. He, he only used Eckersley in the ninth inning. He didn't use them in high leverage situations. He didn't use them in the eighth. Back in the day, people like Lee Smith to get saves, they used to have to pitch eight innings, remember? Because of Tony LaRusa, they used to have to, not eight innings, excuse me, they used to have to pitch more than one innings. Sometimes it would take three innings to get a close, even though the score was 1-0, right? It would take three or, or two plus innings to get a save. Tony Russo became this person that also said baseball pitchers shouldn't pitch past 100 pitches. You know, if you go back in the day, you go look at the stats from people like uh, Don Drysdale, uh, people that pitch in the early 80s, and you're going to see a bunch of 116-pitch games. Tony Russo, for some reason, we listen to, like, he, like, wait, like he's the godfather of baseball. And they're like, oh, now, now you got this team full of brothers and, and, and Latin, Black, Dominican players. And they're like, oh, who should we do? We're going to bring Tony La Russa to save this team. The team was a playoff team last year. And they bring Tony La Russa in, and he's over here going to alienate his best hitter. And then here's the worst part, Jerry. You didn't say it. Did you say this? I don't remember because the Pedro truck was going on. Did you say this part where Tony La Russa, when Minnesota Twins, when Duffy threw at him and missed? And Tony Rufus said he didn't mind, and he understood why. Yeah, the next day, um, Duffy, a relief pitcher for Minnesota in the seventh inning, threw behind Yerman Mercedes. Um, I believe hit him, but um, no, he missed. Him he missed was, because he can't throw. And was ejected promptly afterwards. the The umpires had to think about it for a minute and figure out whether it was, and then they realized, yeah, throw him out. But uh, yeah, Tony Rufus then came out and said he didn't. He understood why they did it, and that he didn't. He wasn't upset with it. And uh, so, inst- after chastising his player for having fun, he then said, "It's okay for the uh, other team to throw Let's my throw my up. player for having fun." <laughs> yeah, and then talk shit about one of the pitchers who stood up for for Mercedes yeah. on the team. He, he said, "I have an office, and he has a he has a locker." Yeah, <laughs> he needs to be gone, dude. That's the best thing. He's lost touch with reality. He is, he, oh God. He looks like his face is starting to look more and more like a a, a facial prosthetic from like a, a bad Dick Tracy reboot or like a, a bad DC villain or something like that. I'm like, what is going on? This fool is looking old, old and haggard. I ain't trying to hate on somebody getting old, but this motherfucker makes me want to talk bad about him getting old and haggard because he's a fucking asshole. I'm gonna say this. If your players are having fun, continue to help them have fun. And they're if your winning. players they're are engaged and, and having fun and winning, you sit back and shut the fuck up. Don't make it about yourself. And I think Tony LaRusa is somebody who is can be good about making it about himself and the way these unwritten rules are supposed to be. And fuck these unwritten rules. That's that's what the pitcher was came out and said. Um, who was the pitcher that said that? Um, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer said that. No, no, it wasn't the pitcher on his team that that was. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, but Trevor uh, Bauer said it earlier in the year. No, no, yeah, but there's his his pitcher. Oh, fuck, Lance, uh, Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn came out and said these rules are, are dying out because they, you know, the game is changing and needs to. And that is very much true because if you like baseball has an issue and they need to talk to these old ass managers and this racist ass system of unwritten rules that they want to continue to tout as being important. Like, where is cancel culture? Cancel culture. Come for these bullshit ass unwritten rules. I'm gonna talk more about this on another time, but I need cancel culture to come out and do some real work and take out these unwritten rules. Cancel unwritten rules. Wanna know why? Because almost 90% of all those unwritten rules are tied to some racist archetype that was practiced back in the 1900, early 1900s and the 1800s. 
That is why they have unwritten rules. Because as time was saying, hey, you can't be a openly, you know, bigoted motherfucker and make rules that say they cannot play necessarily, which they still were able to. But we want to make it seem like we are at least more Christian and more moral and ethical than we really are. We're going to make them unwritten. You want to know why? So that they don't say, hey, these motherfuckers are saying you can throw, you can throw out a nigga if you want to think he can play with you. That's what that's that's what they did. Like if that nigga, if that nigga make a peep, you can throw at him. You know, that's that's what literally the rule is. So cancel culture calling you out you getting a call out this is an early cutty corner shout out come for these bullshit ass unwritten rules that are holding baseball back and making it less enticing to get young infusions of talent it's another reason why kids don't play baseball as much or some of these other kids of color don't want to play baseball in the united states as much is because they don't seem like they're having nearly as much fun as the other sports you cannot be yourself and celebrate all right, unless, unless we create like a, a pipeline to like the Dominican or some like a pipeline to Japan and Korea, so that we can get some of our young, uh, uh, you know, minority talent out in those countries, so they can learn how to play the game and have fun and enjoy it. But regardless of which, cancel culture, come for these bullshit ass unwritten rules. And Tony funny, Russa, eat a dick. It's funny you say that, Jared, because football, even football, realized we gotta, we can't be the no fun league anymore, right? Like we're gonna allow, like now, I be man, I saw who was that team? Every time they scored, they scored a touchdown, defensive touchdown, and the backup quarterback was on the field in the end zone with them celebrating. The Dallas like, Cowboys had a historically bad defense, and they got a couple turnovers at the end of the season, and they and were they all posing in the end zone. I was like, niggas, y'all need to walk back over there and look at some more film <laughs> on that bullshit ass <laughs> tablet. Don't be over here celebrating like y'all did something special. Y'all got an interception off a deflected pass. But that's crazy because even the NFL realized we got to let the players have fun. Like if kids are sitting there and they see like this shit ain't fun, why are they going to play it? Why are they going to play it? Basketball's always been fun, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They started seeing this. They started seeing that and they said, hey, let's make this game fun. Let's make it fun. Baseball hasn't figured that shit out and got rid of these stupid unwritten rules and stop hiring these old cratchety, uh, let me try to keep the rules of, of, of Jim Crow rules allowed in baseball. It's because they wanted, it was one of the last sports to integrate. They wanted no. it. Was they it? No, want- it was the first sport to integrate. What you mean? It was one of the first. It was the first sport to integrate. It wasn't the last sport to integrate, Jared. That's the key. Baseball. Jackie Robinson was the first. You want to know Jackie? You want to know why? Jackie Robinson was the first, so that way it will. And that if baseball would do it, then everyone else could do it. But you know the token of it. The token of it is the last one to integrate because they ain't integrated no new age thought process. It hasn't integrated the culture of blackness. Like we can have niggas in here now, but you know what? Them niggas better keep quiet while they're in here because we got unwritten rules to keep these (laughs) niggas in check. We ain't integrating no new shit into this shit. Yeah, they can play now. We're going to let them play. Yeah, we're going to buy up the black league so we can get the players that we want to have. But these niggas better stay in check because we ain't integrating none of their sensibilities, none of their thought processes, and barely any of their managers. You know what I'm saying? Like, motherfucker is like, the only the, the black manager they were willing to hire first was like, nigga, can you play for us too still? Okay, then you can be the manager also. They said, nigga, we'll give you double duty. Honey Corner shout outs. Honey Corner shout outs. Honey Corner shout outs is our segment we end the show on where everyone gets the floor to rant, complain, talk about something that's been pissing them off this week, or highlight something positive in the world. Cutty Corner shout-outs, Cutty Corner shout-outs. It's time. It's, it's time. Cutty Corner. We're burning now. God, if you listen, help. So cold, I'm bleeding now, now, now. I meant what it meant. Gonna let you down. He had sex with my mama. We're 
need a need a back Cutty corner shout out. Aaron, do you have a cutty corner shout out? Not to say, Pedro, need a back you out of me. Uh, yeah, yeah. My cutty corner shout out goes out to uh, Panda Express. Since we were talking about ingredients and championship ingredients and everything, remember when Panda Express used to be a good place to go get Chinese food? Friday, I found myself, I was going out, so I wanted to get something to eat. I knew I had to get the dog situated. I didn't have much. I didn't have any leftovers at the house. I was like, oh, let me stop by Panda Express and just grab something real quick, right? And let me tell you, because of, it's because of you, Panda Express, that I'm over here drinking this Pedialyte as if I'm some infant kid who uh, getting my first case, getting a case of diarrhea and I got to make sure I stay hydrated for the last two days, man. Last two days, it's Panda Express. I had it one time and it flushed my system. My first problem with Panda Express is you go in there and half the damn bowls that they got up there on the display are empty. Guess what? Couldn't get broccoli beef. Couldn't get the, couldn't get the uh, string beans. And I'm, you know, trying not to eat that much carbs, so I didn't get rice. So I got over vegetables. Now, I'm not getting the rice with Panda Express. They need to put it on the display. Get the rice if you need something to help clog your stomach up so you're not shitting all over the place that this weekend. That should be promptly displayed. Get the rice. And if you really want to make sure you're not crapping all over the place or having a drink Pedialyte, you go ahead and get the white rice, right? Nah, I got mine over vegetables. You know, I was going carb-free. I got mine over vegetables, man. Regretting it to this day. And this is the crazy thing. I got the Beijing beef, the honey walnut shrimp, and the orange chicken. Not really spicy food. Got me crapping all over. Panda Express. You know what? Maybe the cut of shadow should be me. I should know better. I shouldn't be going to Panda Express no more. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Pedro. Do you have a Cutty Corner shout out? Uh, I do. My first Cutty Corner shout out goes out to niggas in the 70s. Oh my God. <laughs> my name is Piedro. I'm going to go ahead and put out a name on this podcast. Full name. I'm not going to give my social security number because I know uh, niggas Jared and Aaron will use it as for my credit. But my first, my first name is Piedro Miguel. It's Piedro. Middle name Miguel, named after my um, my grandfather's best friend. His name was P. I think it was Pietro Michael or Miguel or something like that. So he named me after his uh, my grandfather's best friend or something like that. That's how the story goes. Pietro Miguel, and on my birth certificate it says Mathis. No reason why it says Mathis instead of Craig for my whole. Um, uh, school work, my school records, social security, everything's under Craig. You know why it says Mathis on my, has my last name on my birth certificate? Because my dad, Pietro, Pietro Melsenheimer Craig, thought it would be smart so he can get benefits against using the government to get benefits so we can run a scam and get these food stamps while living in the suburbs. That was the whole purpose behind my name being mixed up. The, the sole purpose. So the government, if you listen to me, I want you to dig that nigga up for me and find it. Because it's, it's been a hell of a ride these last couple of, couple of years. Although I've had all my records, government, in my last name, Craig, with all my social, social security, hazmat, and everything else, all been in Craig. Why is it a problem when I go get my uh, try to go get my TSA passport 
quick card enhancement. Why is there a problem where all my life in three states, fingerprinted through the FBI to the post office, by the way, there should be never should be any problem with a notary. Don't tell me to go do a legal name change. That's bullshit. Bullshit. I don't have to do that. I'm glad this beautiful young white woman down at the TSA office in Gilbert hooked me up. She's so beautiful, white. You forgot you forgot what your mom's name was on your birth certificate. Oh yeah. Okay. No, well, I was gonna get to that. Oh sorry. Uh 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 that beautiful white lady helped me out and I I appreciate her helping me out. She she recognized, okay, this fool is he's I'm FBI fingerprinting. So let me go ahead and pass this through with you. Um but my mother name, my mother's name is Marion Joy Mathis. But somehow on the birth certificate, her name was Marion Burns. This is the type of shit you niggas did in the 70s that we are paying for now. This is it's, it's a lot of these cases. Where, where did Burns come from? Because that's not your mom made name. Dude, I, I, it's something my dad made up because he's always scamming. He's like, my, my dad was the black Trump in the 70s. Always scamming his way through life. Always trying to find an out. Always trying to do something easy. So he basically changed my last name on my birth certificate and then had some type of pride thing when he when he checked me in the school. No, he's got to go as Craig. He got to go. He's got to go to school as Craig. Yeah. Well, you know what? Write that on my birth certificate. My birth certificate, then, nigga. A second one. My little second one goes to these uh, whoever made up. Transferring money over the phone, Cash App, Vimo, the Cash App and Vimo. Whoever came up with that bullshit got people believing they can live the American dream out of prison. The only reason why I'm bringing up my brother in this, my other brother on my mother's side, is that he was upset with my mom over some things. He's blaming my mom over some things. And um, I got this letter. This was personal. He, uh, he wrote it to me, but he was just upset. I'm not going to say what was in the letter. But she, she was upset at something that my mom wouldn't do for him. You a grown ass man. You had five different ch- chances in life, and you blew all of them. I can't. I, I can only do little things to help you. And this cash app is making it to where they got these Negroes in jail, thinking they can um, help each other out. Had a girls. Baby mamas, brothers, uh, <laughs> crip cousins, uh, blood cousins, or whatever, thinking they can, you know, barter and trade in prison. What happened to some good old cigarettes? <laughs> what happened to just trading for a uh, spray? What happened to some Bruno or Prune, whatever you call it? Y'all niggas trade what you can get in jail. Leave the people on the outside alone. I don't want to be in prison. I don't want to do prison shit. So Cash App, thank you for that bullshit you got made up where you can you can trade money amongst people that you uh barely know. This some this some whole shit. Giving people hopes. No, you doing you go you in jail. Leave me the hell alone. He a man. He a man. <laughs> I'll be on the miles. I'll be on the miles with that yank hard yesterday, Skip. <laughs> I love that. My cutting quarter shout-out goes up to Major League Baseball. You have Tony La Russa being a dick fuck this week. A piece of monkey crap. 
pee pee head. Um, but yeah, Tony Lewis is being out this week. Um, basically substantiating the importance of the unwritten rules of baseball. Um, furthermore, you have MLB reinforcing these unwritten rules above all else by suspending the pitcher that threw at Yemen Mercedes for only, only three games. Now, I'm not saying that that pitcher should be suspended for a bunch of games or not. What I am saying is that there seems to be a disproportionate expression of suspensions in baseball over throwing at a player and potentially, you know, what could be an injury versus just being a nigga trying to celebrate while playing baseball. And this is an example by Duffy, the pitcher on the Twins, only getting three games for throwing at a player who happened to be a player of color versus Amir Garrett striking out a weak motherfucker and being juiced about it. And then Javier Baez being mad, yelling back at him from the dugout and then jumping over the fence as though he was going to do something. Now, we know Amir Garrett got hands, so he wasn't going to do nothing. And Amir yes. Garrett, like six, seven, six, eight, he wasn't going to do nothing. Yeah. But Amir Garrett is where he's supposed to be. He's on the mound. He's doing what he's supposed to do, getting weak motherfuckers out. And he should be well within his right to be pumped and yell and, and celebrate striking one of these weak motherfuckers out. But no, because of what you want to say, because of historical precedents, which if we're going to talk about historical precedents, don't get me started on the racialized historical precedents. Amir Garrett got seven games for getting in an argument over striking a weak motherfucker out where, when he was where he's supposed to be. So baseball, make it make sense for me. Major League Baseball, Manfred, you little man child, little little Oompa Loompa, uh, uh, Adams family looking piece of shit, bastard bitch motherfucker who can't speak or stay not, uh, can't stay sober when you present the goddamn World Series trophy. Sounding like a goddamn idiot. Or that you were drunk, or both. Make it make sense why a player is being suspended seven games for striking somebody out being juiced about it and somebody taking offense for him yelling and being juiced about it in the dugout and jumping over the fence. And then he gets seven games for standing on the mound when he struck somebody out. Make it make sense that he got seven games, more than double the games that a player who threw at somebody over a unwritten rule, which makes it not technically a rule, right? Am I right? Is that technically not a rule that they are breaking? Cause you know, like technically I can be like my unwritten rules that I'm supposed to do steroids. Technically, I'm breaking the real rules, but it's an unwritten rule that I need to get the advantage any way I can, so I'm going to do steroids. You cannot selectively um, pick and choose how you want to adjudicate uh, people breaking the rules. Throwing out a player to throw out a player because of some unwritten rule is an issue. Three games is not sufficient if seven games is what you get for just being happy as a nigga in baseball. Well, uh, that is our show. Any any last final, final, final words y'all got? Yeah, uh, NBA playoffs has been exciting so far. Trey Young just hit a three. Uh, we got uh, teams winning. We had close games. We really didn't have any blowouts. Clippers, of course, look mentally fragile. Uh, let, shout out to everybody in Europe who sat there and protested in, in man, uh, over there, the Man United game, because they want things to say the same. Have a playoff, dude. Your shit would be exciting. All right. Well, shout out. Check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Highscore510. Otherwise, email the show. Holler us. Engage with us. And we will leave you with this. Got 
can't stand the Academy Awards. I cannot stand. I wish we had the nerve white people have. They got nerve. They have the Academy Awards every year. And nobody, nobody don't win but them. Now that's nerve. They say everybody can win, but every year we sit there and we hope we win, and they win. I said, well, call it what it is, the prejudice wars. Be honest. We honest. When we have an award show, what we call it? The Soul Awards. We let you know you ain't gonna win nothing. Just tell me what you're It's, it's like it's the end of the world. I can't take it. And you know, like you, you got white friends, and you know, you hear white people, they'll say, Look at them. Look at the black people. They, they look like little monkeys. They've always said that. But you know, that's the truth. Have you took a good look at a monkey? A monkey got thin lips. Take a good look at a monkey. A monkey got light eyes. Take a good look at a monkey. A monkey got straight hair. Take a good look at a monkey. But shout out to um Anthony Brown, also known as Tony B. Conscience. Tony B. My boy Tony oh, B came out with another part one of a tribute. And I want to play y'all his tribute to our dearly beloved and departed R.I.P. Paul Mooney. Um, here is an excerpt from his from his uh <laughs> here is an excerpt from his dedication to Paul Mooney, who passed away also on Malcolm X's birthday. So here we go. What's up, y'all? Tony B. I've been up all night, but um, this is the one piece I didn't think I'd ever have to write. Yesterday was Malcolm X's birthday. We were supposed to be celebrating, but instead, those of us who really are from the generation of this brother, we were mourning. So this is called, by all means, legendary, dedicated to Paul Mooney. This is only the first verse. I got three verses, but you're going to have to wait to get the other two till the book or the CD comes out, all right? Check it. Let's go. Conscious comedy from a cosmic creator to this planet had come and left a bad mamma jamma in Shreveport, Louisiana in 1941. Born bad, he was named Paul Gladney and needed to be a star and comedian badly. But had he been born in any other time or space, he might not have grabbed the name Paul Mooney lifted from that actor's scar face. And the whole legacy would be up in smoke. And if the circus hadn't hired him and let him tell jokes, and he didn't go from ringmaster to writer for Richard Pryor. And if the things he wrote wasn't pure fire. And if he gave up when he got blacklisted and wanted to retire. Or if he was a liar when he talked about the racial barbed wire. Or white and black relations to take us higher. 
Maybe he wouldn't be the comic and educator we all admire. And maybe he wouldn't be a revolutionary, nor the Malcolm X of comedy, who was by all means legendary. First verse, a little something for Paul Mooney. I knew that brother personally, loved that brother, loved his sons. When I first got in Hollywood, they used to call me a young version of Paul Mooney. They said, oh, you look like a young version of Paul Mooney. And then I met him the second week I was in Hollywood, as soon as I moved there. Beautiful brother. R.I.P. I'm in Oakland right now, where he passed. Love him, love y'all. Tap in. Hashem. Uh, just to let you know, Jared, he wrote Namaste at the end of that. Uh, you couldn't use that in Alabama in the classroom. Still illegal. Still illegal. This week, Alabama's allowed to do yoga. They just now passed the bill. They could do, they could practice. You could teach yoga in an Alabama classroom now, but you can't say Namaste or Om. No lie. <laughs> White supremacy is strong in the South. 